And if God is, then how he is? Whether he is a just God, or he is unjust, he is cruel, he is kind, he is benevolent, what he is, about that also lots of conclusions are there. And this conclusion forms the very basis of my life. Whatever I do is all based on these conclusions about myself and about the world and about God. And therefore what the scriptures do is to address each one of these conclusions and determine whether these conclusions are right or not. And this is the process of learning. If I discover that what I thought about myself or about God is not right, it doesn't make sense, then I drop that conclusion. That's how the dropping happens. That's how this is dropping of the load, dropping of the burden, dropping of the bondage. And therefore we are told very often that process of learning and knowledge is nothing but shedding of ignorance. Ignorance, shedding of ignorance means what? Ignorance presents itself or manifests itself in the form of these various notions, conclusions and complexes. And therefore, as I come to understand myself better, as I come to understand the world better, as I come to understand God better, then whatever complexes or notions I had, these are dropping off. So lots of insecurities are there, lots of fears are there. All of these, as Bhagavad Gita explains, there is no reason for any insecurity to be there, there is no reason for any fear to be there, there is no reason for any grief to be there, even though we have it. Which means that, as Lord Krishna said to Arjuna, Ashochan and Ashochastam, here Arjuna you are grieving for no reason at all. Ashochaha. So you are grieving about something which does not deserve to be grieved for. You are grieving about yourself for which also there is no reason. So this is the vision of the scriptures. And Bhagavad Gita concludes with these words of Lord Krishna, Mahasuchaha, do not grieve. So to remove the grief in the life, the grief that arises on account of finding myself not acceptable to my own self, the grief arising on account of finding myself limited, helpless, and so dropping off that. So as these notions drop off, as the conclusion, as the complexes drop off, so also the grief arising from them, the fear arising from them also starts dropping off and thus this is a process. <coughs> That is the reason why exposure to this teaching over extended period of times becomes necessary. As we were discussing yesterday doing satsang, what's the need? Somebody here, Swamiji, you listen to it once, you know what it is. You know the whole scheme, Brahma Satyam, Jagan Mitya, Jiva Brahmiya Naparaha. Sankarajara says that I am going to tell you in half a verse what hundreds of texts say that. Shlokadhenapravakshami yaduktam granthakotimihi I'm going to tell you in half a verse what has been said in millions of texts. What is it? So in this proposition half a verse is utilized. In one verse everything is said of which the half verse is this. I'm going to tell you in half verse what is being said by millions of texts. And what is the half verse? Brahma Satyam. The Brahma is truth. Jagan Mithya, Jagad the creation of names and forms like Ghatapata etc. is Mithya. Jivo Brahmayvana Paraha. And what is looked upon as Jiva, looked upon as individual being, is in a Brahma, the limitless. Na Paraha, none other than the limitless. 
the self which is thought to be limited is none other than limitless. This is it. That's all is being said. And so this Mahavakya Vichara that is being untattva masi, that's the word, that's just one statement that is being unfolded. Nothing new. So Swami, once you know the scheme, what's the need of attending the camps again and again? What's the need of studying these Vedanta again and again? So, uh, well, what it is is, that knowledge just does not take place by even, uh, even just listening ones. Even after getting this idea of the scheme of things, there are lots of inner obstacles which come in the way of enabling you to assimilate the truth. Then the knowledge or understanding must be assimilated, must become my own understanding. Today, how this knowledge is assimilated that I am the body is an assimilated knowledge. I mean, I need no effort to behave like one who is body. Or I am an emotional being, I am one with my emotions, I have no difficulty. So how today I abide in this knowledge that I am the, I am the body? Or I am a man, I am a woman, whatever it is. So similarly also when it becomes my knowledge that I am Brahman, then that is called knowledge. And until it becomes knowledge like that, until then this process must continue. And as we have heard a number of times, the primary means of gaining this knowledge is Shravanam. Shravanam meaning listening to the teacher. Listening to the teacher, teaching or unfolding the scriptures. Not teacher means listening to scriptures through the agency of the teacher. Because as Swami said yesterday, we do not distinguish between the teacher and the scriptures. <coughs> Inasmuch as the teacher has no agenda, he has no extra to grind, and therefore he is true to the scriptures. So listening to the unfoldment of scriptures is nothing but unfoldment of our own self. As yesterday we were told that this is like a mirror. Just as I require a mirror to see myself, Similarly also, the scriptures, and therefore the words of the teacher, they become like mirror, reflecting my own self, and therefore I see myself in the words of the scriptures. And the thing becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. So shravanam, followed by what we call manam, reflection. Vidhyasanam, a deep meditation for assimilating this. So this process must go on. Own of Punyera, Shavam Kuryat, may you listen to it again and again. That's the reason why Lord Krishna keeps on repeating, really. Even sometimes Shankaracharya has to say. People ask, why did Lord Krishna say that here? It has always been said. Then you would say, yes, it has been said, but still it is being. Sometimes same words are also used. Sometimes even a line of the verse is repeated in Bhagavad Gita itself. So sometimes Lord Krishna repeats the theme in the same words or more often than that Lord Krishna repeats the theme in different words from different standpoints but the theme is one alone, Tattvamasi. That thou art, you are the whole, you are the limitless, you are ever free. But Lord Krishna finds this so difficult to assimilate. Because the idea that I am bound, the idea that I am helpless, the idea that I am small, insignificant, has become so deeply rooted. And I am so emotionally involved in that idea. 
that for this idea, for this new understanding that I am free or I am limitless, I am whole, it takes a long time to penetrate the depths of that idea that I am helpless or I am small. And until that happens, this process should continue. <coughs> Therefore, Lord Krishna Bhuyaha, Hirjana, again, we listen to my words. Vakshyami Hitakamnaya. For your well-being, for your benefit, for your welfare, I am saying. Because this knowledge is the only thing that will bring about the real well-being. Well, some of the material achievements do bring about well-being for the time being, but this is the knowledge that can bring about the well-being once and for all. And therefore, I am saying this, listen to it. Shurum, listen. So there is also a need to say, drawing attention of the student towards oneself. Listen carefully or listen attentively. Why does Lord insist that Arjuna should listen to him? I mean, I can get this from anybody else. Uh, what is so special that I should listen to your words? I don't think Arjuna would ask, but in case he asks a question like that. A modern student can ask perhaps, you know. I don't think Arjuna would ask. Arjuna is a very humble student. In fact, while raising a doubt in the third chapter, he is very... Uh, uh, he, with sort of an apology, he says, or with a lot of hesitation, he says, Jāsī chet karmanaste matābuddhirjanātana tatkim karmani ghoremaam niyojaisi keshava vyāmishrani vākyana buddhim mohasivame By your words which are, which are sort of mixed up, vyāmishrani vākyana by our words of statements, which seem to me saying this as well as that, you are as though confounding, confusing my mind. As though confusing my mind. I know that you cannot confuse my mind. Your words cannot be uh, unclear. But I being what I am, I per being a person of dull intellect, therefore I am not able to scrutinize your words. So this is how Arjuna is. <coughs> And so, there's no, I don't think Arjuna would say, why should I listen to you? But anyway, in the second verse, Lord Krishna says further, why he is the most authentic speaker, a most authentic teacher as far as unfolding this truth is concerned. That is the beauty of Bhagavad Gita. And in the fourth chapter, Lord Krishna says himself, and the very introduction of Bhagavad Gita, Shankarajara goes at quite a length. To establish why Bhagavad Gita is Praman is an authentic text. It is a valid means of knowledge. But we say that only Vedas are the Pramanam, Vedas alone are the valid means of knowledge. We don't accept anything else as a valid means of knowledge. So in India, Vedas are looked upon as the source books, the valid Pramanam, valid means of knowledge. Bhagavad Gita is not a part of Veda. And still, it is looked upon as a valid means of knowledge because of the speaker of Bhagavad Gita, who is none other than Lord Himself. And so, Shankarajara establishes, and Lord Krishna Himself says in the fourth chapter, how He is none other than God. Krishna says, whenever the need is, 
I manifest myself in appropriate form to set everything right, to establish dharma, to establish righteousness. And thus the one who is in front of Arjuna is none other than God. In the human form, the one who has taken the human form because that was the kind of form that was needed to accomplish what was done to be done. But he is none other than God. He is called Avatara, his incarnation. And what is the difference between you and I and the incarnation? Or what is the difference between incarnation and even a, even a saint? Lord Krishna is not just a saint. He is not just a great man. We don't look upon him here as a great man or a saint. We look upon him as avatar, incarnation. Incarnation means God in that particular form and not limited in any way by the upadhi, not limited by the body, mind, equipment at all. Even though he is sporting a human body or any kind of body. Sometimes he comes in the body of a fish, sometimes the body of a boar, sometimes the body of a lion. Regardless of what body comes in, he is infinite. He is omniscient, omnipotent, he is all-knowing, all all-powerful, and therefore his godhood is not in any way affected by the upadhi, the body in which he manifests. So here we are talking about the teacher of Bhagavad Gita who is omniscient, not just a well-informed person, but omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, capable of creating, sustaining, dissolving his God. And naturally, therefore, who can be more competent or who can be more appropriate than him to reveal the truth about God? So God revealing truth about himself. And that is why Bhagavad Gita also is considered as pramanam, as a valid means of knowledge. <coughs> because the one who revealed the Vedas is the one who has revealed the Bhagavad Gita also. Therefore, in the second verse, says Lord Krishna, how he is the reason, he, this is the reason why he is saying this again. Name Vidusura Ganaha, Name Vidusura Ganaha, Prabhavam Namaharshaya, Prabhavam Namaharshaya, Ahamadir Hidevanam, Ahamadir Hidevanam. Maharshi Ram Chasarvasaha Maharshi Ram Chasarvasaha Nami Viduhu Suraganaha Prabhuvam Namaharshaha Suraganaha The whole host of gods Maharshaha The sages Nami Viduhu They do not know Me Prabhuvam My glory they do not know my majesty, they do not know my glory, they do not know my greatness. Even all the gods. So gods are, are, are the beings who are endowed with so many special powers. Supposed to be living in heavens and such worlds, and therefore having very exalted bodies, upadis, and possessed of very special powers, and also abilities and knowledge. And therefore naturally their scope of knowledge is much more than our scope. But Lord Krishna says, even they do not know my majesty, even they do not know my glory. Prabhava. So what Prabhava is explained in two ways. Prabhava means Prabhava, means the majesty or the glory they do not know. 
of Pradhamis is perfect, coming into being. They do not know how came into being in the form of this creation. Lord Krishna says, I myself come into being as this universe. But even the gods do not know that. Even the sages, Maharshaya, among the human beings, the Maharshis, the great Rashis, the great sages, so they also looked upon as naturally wise people and almost omniscient, but even they also do not know my greatness, my majesty, my glory. How come they do not know? Second line says, Aham Adirhi Devanam Maharshinam to Sarvashaha. He because Aham I Devanam Adhi. I am the way Adhi, the cause of all the gods. Maharshinam Cha and also all the sages. All the gods have come from me. All the sages have come from me. And naturally, therefore, they do not know me. It is like this, you know. Like an interesting conversation going on between a grandfather and a little grandson. You know, grandchildren grow with grandfathers. And they sit in their lap and listen to all kinds of stories that grandfathers have to say. And in one day it seems that his grandfather was telling this little child those glorious days of his wedding, his grandfather's wedding. How the wedding used to, you know, used to spread over three or one week and all, all wonderful things were going on, he was describing. This grandchild was listening to it with all his interest and fascination. And when the whole discussion description was over, the child asked him, But grand, grandpa, grandpa, why, how come you didn't call me in your wedding, you know? <laughs> There's no way, because he's not there, naturally. Similarly also, so who can know grandfather? Only one who is present when the grandfather is there. To know that grandfather, you know, in his totality, once you be there before he is born, and while he is born, and while he is there, Lord Krishna says that all the devatas, gods, are also born from me. This, I am the Adihi, I am the very cause, I am the beginning of everything. I am the unborn, as the next verse will say. And all of them have their being from me. And therefore, the gods are also born from me, the sages also are born from me, and therefore, they do not know my how I came into being, they do not know my total majesty. Not only that, but whatever they are is because of me. That also we say subsequently. In the seventh chapter also it was said, Buddha buddhimatamasmi, I'm the very intelligence of the intelligent. And therefore the gods know something. Even the sages know whatever they know. It's because of me. I'm the one that illumines their intellect. I'm the one that is in fact the very witness of their intellect. I am the one that inspires their intellect, I am the intelligence behind their intellect, and therefore, whatever it is the sages know is because of me. Whatever it is that even the gods know is also because of me. As we, as we change the 15th chapter, Yadaditya Gatam Tejaha, Jagad Bhasayate Hilam, Yat Chandramasya Chagnav, Tat Tejo Vidhimamakam, Lord Krishna says, Hey Arjuna, the sun and the moon and the fire, you know, they are all luminaries, they illumine the whole world. But then, the, the light that they have is my light, is I, is me because of which they shine. So, therefore, they do not know me who is the even source. And therefore, Lord Krishna claims that I am the one who is most competent to describe my glories. <coughs> I am the Nimitta Karana, the Upadana Karana, we said yesterday, I am the material cause as well as the intelligent cause. 
I am the one that even illumines their intellect. I am the one that lights up their knowledge. It is because of me that they are what they are. And therefore, naturally, they know me in some ways. The gods also know some glories of the Lord. The sages also know some glories of the Lord, but not everything. There is no way that anybody can know everything about God. <coughs> That's the reason why Arjuna, listen from me, my own glories. What is your main glory? Yesterday we said that, that there's two aspects, not two aspects, but Lord who is absolute or infinite alone manifests himself as his limited world. Himself is Brahma, Brahma means limitless. So limitless alone appears or manifests himself as his limited world. So all the glories that we are talking about that he is omniscient, he is omnipotent, he is omnipresent, he is, he is the karma dhyaksha, he is the one who presides over all the actions, karma-phaladata, he is the dispenser of all the results, all the glories that we talk about. He is benevolent, he is kind, he is loving, he is caring, all these are his glories. But all the glories are in the realm of creation. And so, Two aspects are there. One is, as we say, God with all the forms. And the God who is beyond the forms. So his primary glory is that he is free from every limitation, every form, every attribute. And in that manner he should be known. Yesterday we said that God to meditate it and God to be known. So God with attributes becomes the object of meditation. And God beyond the attributes becomes the object of knowledge. So in the third verse, Lord Krishna says how he should be known. What is the ultimate glory that he is, that he should be known. Yoma Majamana Dincha Yoma Majamana Dincha Vetti Loka Maheshwaram Vetti Loka Maheshwaram Asamudhasamartyeshu Asamudhasamartyeshu Sarvapapaif Pramuchyade Sarvapapaif Pramuchyade Yeah, whoever it is, Maam Ajam Anadincha Vettiloka Maheshwaram Lord Krishna says, whoever knows me as such. See, it's very interesting. Lord Krishna is telling Arjuna, those who know me, Arjuna can say, no, you are right in front of me, what's, the, what's more to be known about you? Is it not so? Is it not Lord Krishna right in front of Arjuna? Doesn't Arjuna know Lord Krishna? He knows it. But Lord Krishna says, I should be known in this manner. You maam ajam anadincha vetti loka maheshwaram Who knows me? Ajam, ajam means who is birthless. This unborn, anadin, the one who is no adi. Adi means beginning. For adi means cause. Anadi, one who is without beginning, one who is without cause. You must have heard this question. Sometimes I hear from children this question coming up. Swamiji, who created this world? God created the world. If God created the world, who created God? Next question, is this a logical question? So Lord Krishna declares, Anadim, I am uncreated. But then, 
If somebody created God, the next question is, who created that person, you know? And if that person created, and this will go on. Ultimately understand that we have to arrive at one that is not created. For the creation to be there, the very basis must be that which is not created. For all the changes to be there, the basis must be that which does not change. For all the beginning to be there, there must be a basis which does not begin. For all the talk to be there, there must be that which is beyond the talk, which is silence. You know, therefore, Anadi, Lord Krishna says, I am beginningless. I have no cause. I am just there. So why is God there? He is there. You can ask this question. They say, Brahmani Satyam, Jnanam, Anantam, Brahma. Brahma is always Satyam, his truth, his knowledge, his limitless. Why is he truth? Why is he knowledge? Why is he limitless? Hasn't that question arisen in your mind? Why is God limitless? Why is Brahman limitless? It's like asking question, why is fire hot? Why is ice cold? Why is sun bright? That is what it is. That for which there is no reason. Similarly also, why is God limitless? That's what he is. So where all these questions, why come to a, why comes to an end, this is what it is. He is limitless. Anare, he has no cause. That which is always there, which has no beginning, because then alone everything else can have a beginning. The one who is without beginning, one who is without the cause, that is one who is not born of anything. You can say everything is born of him, but nothing is, he is not born of anything. He is always anade, and therefore ajaha, ajaha means unborn. Because you know, think that Lord Krishna was born. He was born X number of years ago. Sometimes I ask this question, Swami, what is the age of Lord Krishna when he was teaching Bhagavad Gita? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I believe, I think, his age was 62 or something like that, you know. He was... Uh, that's what from Mahabharata, you know, somebody has calculated. So Arjuna is saying that Lord Krishna was born 62 years ago or 42 years ago or 32 years ago, whatever it is. So Arjuna, you know me that way, that's okay. But that's not enough. You know, sometimes they are told, Swami says, even merely, you know, seeing God also is not enough. Seeing can be there, experience can be there, but still knowing may not be there. And therefore Arjuna has experience of God right there and still not quite the understanding of God. And merely experience is wonderful to have, but still it is not, doesn't release me totally from, from bondage. And therefore, Arjuna has a need to understand Lord Krishna. Say Arjuna, one knows me as unborn, as beginningless, as uncaused, the one that is always there, that is always accomplished. This is very beautiful. If something is unborn and something is uncaused, that means you don't have to cause it. If God also is born of something, then you must do something to, to bring about God. The point is that, what should we do in order to create God? Okay, you know, nothing is to be created because the one is always there. Uncreated means the one who is always there. And that which is always there has to be known rather than has to be achieved. Because if he is always there, he must be everywhere also. 
He must be here and now and ever. He is the one to be understood rather than to be created or to be achieved or to be reached. So here is one who knows me and Ajam Anadim Loka Maheshwaram. Who is Ajam and who is Anadi? You know what is it that there is one thing of which the birth cannot be established. There is one thing of which death cannot be established. There is no birth, there is no death also. There is one, med- try to do this meditation. This meditation, I am not there. Is it possible for me to meditate or possible to visualize that I am not there? Is it possible to visualize that? Or is it possible for me to visualize that I am born, the I, the I is born, the I is dying. I can visualize further the the death of this body. But I can visualize the death of the body. That means there is a visualizer of the death. How about the death of the one who visualizes? I can visualize the birth of the body. But how about the birth of the visualizer? Is it possible for me to visualize the birth of I? Is it possible for me to visualize the death of I? For me to visualize the death of I, I must be there to visualize it. See, for visualization of death, it is necessary that I must be present even after the death. Then only I can say death has taken place. Or to visualize the birth, I must be present before the birth. Then only I can say birth has taken place. A doctor can say the child is born at 13 minutes after 10. Because doctor was there before that 13 minutes after 10 also. He was watching that process of birth. On the death certificate, he died at 7 minutes after 5. Because someone is present after the death also. So this is very interesting. I cannot, even though I am always scared of death, the thing is I can never visualize death. Suppose I am scared of death, all right, imagine death. What will happen if I die? Imagine. Oh Swamiji, I saw that I was dying and my body was being carried on, carried away and then was cremated. I saw all of that. But you saw that. The one who saw was there and therefore he is not dead. Ajam Anadimcha. The I, the only one that is Ajam or unborn, only one that is Anadiya has no beginning and has no end, can only be one and that is I. Understand that. That is why we say that the Lord beyond the attributes is one to be known, known as I. But there is only one thing that is beyond, there is no attributes. And you know who is that? I has no attribute at all. Even though I take myself to be full of attributes only, Swami, I am small, I am helpless, I am insignificant, I am a woman, I am a man, all of this, take myself to be. But in fact, that I has no attribute at all. Is it not so? Because if I am right now a speaker, and then I become a listener, then I become a talker, then I become a walker, then I become a thinker, if I can become all of this one after the other, that means that I am none of them. It's like the crystal. So crystal may appear to be white when we place this flower before that. It may appear to be orange when this cloth is there. And then it may appear some other color. 
If a crystal can assume one color of the other, that can only be if the crystal has no color of its own. Otherwise, it cannot keep on changing the colors. You put any kind of a color before this flower, you know, does it change color? It doesn't, because it has its own color. The fact that this keeps on changing color is because it does not have a color of its own. And that which is colorless can assume any color. Similarly also, I keeps on assuming different forms. Now a doer, then an enjoyer, then a speaker, then a thinker, then a hearer, then happy, then unhappy. All this I keeps on changing. That shows that the eye is free from all these forms. And therefore, only one thing is there which is free from all the attributes. Free from name, free from form, free from attributes, free from limitations, free from conditionings. There is only one and that is I. Capital I. Sometimes they want to distinguish between capital I and small I. And so, that I is, that's only one. Everything else that I know is always with attributes. Anything that I can know or I can visualize, I can perceive, is going to have attributes. The one who is, on account of whom the perception takes place, is only one without the attributes. And therefore, Lord Krishna says, one who knows me as unborn, as beginningless, how should he be known? How can God be known as unborn and beginningless only when God is known as I? Otherwise he cannot be known. I cannot, it is not possible for me to visualize a God and see is unborn because before visualization he was not there and after visualization also is not there. That means he came and went and whatever I visualize always going to be confined to my sense of perception of visualization. And therefore, is going to be limited. Yomam Ajamanadimcha, Lord Krishna says, one who knows me as unborn, as beginningless, therefore as changeless, as attributeless, as free, as limitless. Loka Maheshwaram, the Lord of all the people, Lord of the world. You know, the self is the Lord. The self is the Lord. Lord of whom? Lord of everybody. You know, always the self is a Lord. Lord means a ruler. You know this, this pot. You know what's the self of the pot? Clay. So clay can be said to be the ruler of the pot. Can you accept that? The clay is the ruler of the pot. This pot has no freedom to be other than clay. This pot cannot exhibit or display any qualities which are not in the pot, in the clay. It is clear that governs what this pot will be, is it not so? So you can say that the clay is the Ishvara, the ruler of this pot. Or give you another example which we often give. Imagine that in this room there are hundreds of mirrors of different kinds of mirrors are there at different angles and I enter this hall and what happens? There's a whole world of swamis. Suppose there's nobody else here. All there is is all kinds of mirrors are there. Concave mirrors, convex mirrors, all kinds of mirrors are there. Hundreds of them and I enter this hall and all of a sudden there's a creation of, of a world 
creation of the world of swamis. Each one looking different. Some will looking like that, depending on what kind of mirror it is, you know. If concave mirror and convex mirror, he will look like that. So the Swami looks differently. There is a whole world of Swamis. Now, who is the, who is the Ishvara? Who is the God? Who is the ruler of this whole world of reflections? Who is the self of each one of these? Let us say. <coughs> you know what is self? Self is there without which the thing cannot be. So what's the self of the part? Clay, because without the clay, part cannot be. Remove the clay, there is no part. What is the self of an ornament? That's the gold. Gold becomes the self of a golden ornament. Water becomes the self of a wave, because without water, the wave cannot be. Similarly also, who is the self of all these reflections? I am the image, is the self. If I go away, all of these fellows disappear. If I walk in, all of them appear. They all came from whom? Came from me. They are sustained by whom? Sustained by me. They go back and do. They go back. This morning you heard, coming into being, sustaining, going back. All the parts come into being from clay. Sustained by clay. Go back into clay. Similarly, all these reflections, the whole world of Swamis, they all emerge from me, sustained by me, they merge back into me. Because when I walk out of this hall, where do they go? They all walk away into me. So who is their self? I am their self. They image the self of reflection. And who is their Ishwara? Who is the ruler? I am standing in the middle. I, I ask all the reflection, come on fellows, lift your arm. All the fellows lift their arm. Do they have a choice? If I lift the arm, do somebody says, I am sorry Swami, I will not lift my arm. I say, sit down. If I sit down, all these fellows, sit down. I jump up and down, they all jump up and down. So who am I? I am the Ishwara. I am the ruler of all of them. Maheshwara, the great ruler of all of them. Understand that Satya is the ruler of Mitya. Or Self is the ruler of non-Self. So, similarly, Lord Krishna says, Vaitiloka Maheshwaram, who knows me as a great Lord of all the worlds. There are three worlds with which we, in which we live. The waking, the dream, and the deep sleep. I'm a waker, dreamer, deep sleeper. Lord Krishna says, I am the great ruler, the great master of all these waker, dreamer, deep sleeper. Who am I? I am that very content. So the very self. Vaitiloka-maheshwaram, the self who is the ruler of this individual upadhi, also is the ruler of, because I am not, as it will be told, Tattvamasi, who is Tvam means you. Who is you? Tat. Tat means what? Jagatkaram, cause of the creation. The cause is the ruler of the effect, that's another thing. Clay is the cause, pot is the effect. The cause is the ruler of the effect. And so Tat is the cause of the creation. If you and I are the consciousness, the self is the cause of the entire creation, that means that you and I are the ruler of the entire creation. It's unbelievable. But tell me, ruler, that's the reason why our gods 
are all shown with number of arms, you know. Sometimes you get scared. Number of arms, particularly goddess, is shown with eight arms, ten arms. There's all kinds of weapons. What does it show? It just shows nothing but rulership. But how many arms gods would have to rule the world? With billions and billions of galaxies, each one of them having their billions and billions of stars, and each one of them having their own solar systems and so forth, how many arms gods would have to control this whole thing? Infinite. Or, does he have to control through the weapons, etc., or, you know? No, he controls by his very presence. Just as an image controls all the reflections by their very presence. Just as a cause. But as though, because we see the whole creation being ruled, and therefore we call him a ruler. But when you look at him, just the very presence by which everything as though falls in place. With the Loka Maheshwaram, that is one who knows me as the very basis of the whole creation. Who knows me the self, who is unborn, without beginning, at the same time, the very self of the whole creation. Not only self of this body, but the self of the entire creation. Asammudaha samartyeshu sarvapapaif pramuchyade Asammudaha He becomes free from sammoha. Being no longer deluded. Moha. Moha means delusion. You know what is delusion? Delusion is taking one thing to the other. It's called delusion. Atasmin tadbuddhi superimposing one thing upon another or taking one thing to be different from what it is is called moha. So moha can be translated differently. It can be translated as a delusion, let us say. So taking the rope of a snake is called atasmin tadbuddhi. Superimposing the idea of snake upon the rope is called moha. Similarly in our life there is moha, there is delusion. Call it ignorance. Ignorance giving rise to variety of complexes or notions is called delusion. So taking this body to be I is, is moha. Taking the mind to be I is also moha. Taking non-self to self is moha or delusion. Asamudaha, when one knows the self to be what it is, as unborn, as beginningless, as changeless, as free from every limitation, as the very basis of everything, knows the self to be not confined to the body, not confined to the mind, not confined to this personality. I am the very person, I am the very self, the very consciousness that informs all the personalities. There is not only the self of this, this upadi, but the one that is self of all, asamudaha. That is it, that moha. All the complexes I about myself which are born on account of taking what I am not to be myself, taking body to be myself which I am not, gives rise to moha, that I am mortal. So different kind of moha delusion I am suffering from. One delusion I am suffering from about myself is I am mortal being. That's why the fear of death is always there. And then all kinds of fears born of that fear also are there because I take myself to be a mortal being. Let's go moha. That is because taking the body, the body is mortal. Taking the body that is mortal to be myself, I become mortal. So that's called moha. The mind is a limited thing. Taking myself to be mind makes me a limited being. Intellect also is limited in the knowledge. 
taking myself in intellect makes me limited in knowledge. And thus I find myself a limited being in every way. And that's what causes this, this sadness. Asamudaha, becoming free from all these complexes which are born of ignorance. So by gaining the knowledge of the self, one becomes free from ignorance and the various complexes born of ignorance. Asamudaha saha marteshu sarvapapahi pramuchyade. Pramuchyade is released from sarvapapahi, all the papas. He is released from all the sins. All the translation says, from all punya and papa. But the, the verse says, sarvapapahi pramuchyade. He becomes liberator, released from all the sins. What is the sin? Poor thing, you know. The sin is nothing but ignorance. It is not my, it is nobody's fault. So one thing is, to be ignorant is not my fault. As Swami says, one thing we don't have to work for, and that is ignorance. <laughs> because everyone is born ignorant. As I am born ignorant of myself, ignorance creates again what we call a wrong perception or misperception, a distorted perception of myself. That's the kind of ignorance this is. This ignorance is not merely absence of knowledge, but ignorance that creates misconceptions. Thus ignorance of a rogue. Not only do I not know the rogue as a rogue, but I take it to be snake. Similarly, not only that I do not know myself to be limitless, but I take myself to be limited. That is the cause of all the sin. Very often this question is asked, Swamiji, what is the cause of this evil in this world? Why is there this anger and why is there this cruelty and why is this suffering? All of it is the cause of all of it is ignorance. Ignorance creates insecurity. Ignorance creates a sense of smallness. It creates a sense of isolation and creates a sense of insecurity. And all the sin, all the violence is born from that insecurity. Nobody who is secure will ever violate anybody. All violence arises from insecurity. So that's called papa. Papa means action that I perform which are not in keeping with the order, which are not in keeping with the moral order. But I am compelled to perform those actions that are not in keeping with the moral order because of my insecurity. It is my insecurity that compels me to do things. So I mean, not only insecurity, but sometimes the temptations. I like to eat good food all the time, but sometimes I feel that I can eat pizza also. Sometimes. So there are temptations that sometimes make me do things which I regret later on. Or even while I am doing, I know it's wrong. While eating pizza, you know what it means in calories and what it means in everything. You know, it's so sad. If you don't know, then you can enjoy it. Or if you don't mind, also you can enjoy it. But now I know. And I know that it is wrong for me. I have myself taken a vow not to eat this stuff. But sometimes my mouth waters at the very sight of the pizza because everybody eats pizza there. Sometimes Wednesday evening, pizza evening. <laughs> so I really have pizza? No. Because that is supposed to be my, uh, my stand about these things, you know, I don't eat pizza. And people eat pizza right in front of me. And different kinds of them, huh? this is uh, mushroom, this is this and that is that. So sometimes I oblige them. I actually oblige myself, but it appears as though they keep on asking me, Swami, come on, you can eat something. All right, okay, to make you happy. 
and then I eat that slice of pizza, I know very well. Even while eating also I know that this is not the right thing I am doing, but the temptation compels me to, to compromise my values. So these temptations which come from the sense of inadequacy and the violence that comes from the sense of insecurity, this sense of insecurity, inadequacy is all born of ignorance. I am not at fault for that. Really looking at this from, you know, that nobody can be faulted for anything really. Because whatever violence happens, happens due to ignorance. And that is nobody has created ignorance, they are born ignorant. However, to maintain order in society, I mean, we have to have right and wrong, etc. And so I'm not saying that we should not have a legal system, etc. But the point is, really speaking, nobody can be faulted. Because everybody, whenever I perform an act that is unbecoming of me, it is out of compulsion, out of helplessness. Nobody performs a sin out of out of freedom. Everybody performs a sin. Sin means an unbecoming action, always out of helplessness. But anyway, I have been doing that. Even actually everything that I do is a sin, in that sense. Any action that I perform, even what we call righteous action, even action which is based on dharma, even that action also by that definition is born of ignorance only. Inasmuch as I look upon myself as a doer, as an enjoyer, as a needy person. And to fulfill that need I perform an action which may be based on righteousness, but still the origin is what? A sense of smallness, inadequacy. That is why both Papa and Punya, both of them are included in sin here, because Kartrutva, the sense of doership. Ignorance gives rise to this notion of sense of doership. And this doer performs actions which can be characterized as papa or punya, sin or virtue. Sarapap, they are called papa because both of them land me into the samsara. Even if I perform actions which are called punya, virtuous actions, they also bring about result which requires me to again take subsequent birth to experience those results and therefore both punya and papa perpetuate this cycle of birth and death. In that sense they are called papa here. This person becomes released from all the sins, meaning he becomes released from all the delusion. That means he becomes released from ignorance. So this is the real glory of the Lord. That knowing him, one becomes released from every sense of limitation. <coughs> Arjuna, that's the reason why you should know me. In fact, Lord Krishna is telling, why should we know Him? Because by knowing Him, we become released. We become released from every sense of limitation. We become, we will achieve the goal that we are seeking. Therefore also, one should know God. <coughs> now he, he declared, Lord Krishna said, Sarva Loka Maheshwaram, I am the great Lord of all the world. Now in several verses, Lord Krishna describes how is the great law of all the worlds? You know there are three kinds of worlds. Adhyatmika, individual world. Adhyodhika, elemental world. Adhyadevika, the divine world. You know this? Adhyatmika, the world centered upon I, Adhyatma, Self. So this body, my mind, my emotions, my thoughts, all of these are called Adhyatmika world. It's the world centered upon individual self. Then this elemental creation, 
That is what we call the Adi Bhautika. That's also another world, elemental world. And we know that the elemental creation is controlled by certain laws. And those laws are also God, so we looked upon different laws as different gods. And so, the world of gods, that is called Adi Devika. Loka Maheshwaram, Lord Krishna says, I am the great Lord of all the worlds. I am the great Lord of the individual world of thoughts and emotions. I am the great Lord of the elemental happenings. I am the great Lord of all the laws which are also due to me. And so how he is the great Lord? That is what he describes in these subsequent verses. Describing how, now as we say, this is the Vibhuti Yoga. This chapter on Vibhuti, for the glories of the Lord. And why should we want to know the glories of the Lord? Because more we know the glories, more we can think of Him with, with all reverence. So our reverence and our devotion and our sense of gratitude, all of these things arise as we understand the glories of the Lord. And therefore the devotion that is based on the knowledge of the glories is going to be a lasting devotion. The devotion sometimes that we have without knowing much about God can be shaken off when we know Him differently. But the devotion that arises by knowing God is going to be a firm devotion. And so, now Lord Krishna describes His glories as to how He is the great Lord of our internal world. So the next two verses, this internal world is described and how He is the Lord of that world, that is what is being said. The verses 4 and 5, we read them together. Buddhir jnanam sammohaha Buddhir jnanam sammohaha Kshama satyam damashyamaha Kshama satyam damashyamaha Sukham dukham bhavo bhavaha Sukham dukham bhavo bhavaha Bhayam cha bhayam evacha Bhayam cha bhayam evacha Ahim sa samata tushtihi Ahim sa samata tushtihi Tapodanam yasho yashaha Tapodanam yasho yashaha Bhavanti bhava bhutanam Bhavanti bhava bhutanam Matta eva prasagvidha Matta eva prasagvidha See the second line of the fifth verse Bhavanti bhava bhutanam Matta eva prasagvidha The many different things bhava The many different states The many different states of the mind The many different kinds of thoughts and feelings which arise within They are all from me Lord Krishna says so, in these two verses, Lord Krishna describes the various kinds of thoughts that arise in our mind as samples. Realistically, what Lord Krishna means is that all the thoughts that arise in your mind, Arjuna, are from me. That's nice to know. All the thoughts that arise in my mind, where is the origin? It? Where is the origin? Lord Krishna says, I am the origin of all the various thoughts arising in the mind of all the living beings. Bhutana, of all the living beings. Even the dogs also have some thoughts. The cats also have some thoughts. Every mosquito, everybody has a thought of some kind. 
They also must have feelings, they must have also emotions, they also must have knowledge in their own way. So what are the kind of thoughts and feelings and emotions which is what we call the internal world, is it not? That is our internal world. Lord Krishna says, all that internal world all originates from Matta Eva, from me alone, not from anybody else. And in these two verses, Lord Krishna gives a sample of several certain kinds of thoughts as to what are his thoughts and many others, all of them arise from me. So I am the great root of the inner world also, as a very inner self, as a very inner controller. I am the one that controls all your thoughts. I am the one that brings to manifestation all the thoughts. Or you can say that I am the one that becomes manifest as the thoughts. For the Vedantins, even the thought itself is manifestation of God. And we'll talk about that this afternoon. So, so in these two verses, from beginning from here, Lord Krishna starts describing His glories. Glories within and glories without. And if you know Him as such, you don't have to close your eyes. I have to close my eyes right now in order to make my mind free from thoughts which I think are ungodly thoughts. But suppose I come to know that all thoughts are godly thoughts. As Lord, every thought is from me. I alone dance in front of you as all these different thoughts. As, as birth as well as death, as happiness, unhappiness, as fear, as fearlessness, whatever it is, is nothing but I. Suppose I recognize him as that. There is no need for me to even entertain a given kind of a thought. Right now there is a need because I am not able to see him in every thought. Since right now I can see him only in a given thought, therefore there is a need to maintain that thought in my mind, which is fine. For when I see the fact that he alone is in every thought, he alone is every thought, there is no need to even maintain a particular kind of thought. And that's what Lord Krishna will say. When you know me in my entirety, then you get joined with me. <coughs> so, unshaken, avikampena yogena, you become joined with me, united with me, in an unshaken way. That means that you cannot be shaken away from me. You get, abi you get abidance in me, an unshaken abidance is what you get when you know me in my entirety. <coughs> okay, we'll continue this in the evening. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Punapuna Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadya Pradehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Vyonamaha Hari Om